Pussy, pussy, it's gonna be a good one today. Yes, I'm talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Come on, girls and boys and everyone on the gender rainbow, bring your pussies to the show. Happy Tuesday, clitorati. We have Australia's leading men's sex coach here today. He's going to demystify myths around men. And this quote from his TEDx talk really sums up what we think is so powerful about him. He said, in order to healthfully express, we first need to know and understand ourselves. A great sex life and by extension, a fulfilling life is rounded in being comfortable with your sexual identity and your sexual policy. Sexual expression is a form of self-expression and neuroscience is teaching us that self-expression is the most important way to grow, navigate, and connect with one another. Without further ado, please welcome Cam Frazier. Wow. Welcome. Thanks so much. That was was amazing. Yeah, I really appreciate it. (laughs) Like hearing your own words. Thanks for being here. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Yeah, we just just did a video with you and I, I think it was the most I've learned about how to to deal with a penis in my life. <laughs> yeah, a lot of us it, got to deal with penises and there's, there's, there's good ways to deal with them and not so good ways. I know, I didn't say that very well. Not deal with. How do you honor the cock, I should say? <laughs> I honor the cock and actually it gave me a lot more confidence of what to do because what the video is, is what to do when the penis goes flaccid. Flaccid, yeah. Or if it's just a soft penis, what to do with it, right? But for for me, I'm always like, what do I do when it goes flaccid? Mm -hmm. And you gave us like seven techniques. It was really wonderful. I'm so excited to greet my next flaccid penis. I look forward to that. I am going to be like, oh, it's time. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Game on. That's amazing. Well, one of the things that I think we're really excited to talk to you about is you actually... So you traditionally work with men, correct? That's correct. However, you have this really ground, but because you have so much, you know, experience with working with men, you actually created a course for women that really busts through a lot of the myths about men and how, you know, you can really bring some symbiotacy to both your male and female partners. So can you tell us a little bit about this and like, what are some of the, can we just jump into some of the top myths that we need to bust? (laughs) Demystify. To mystify well, I, um, us, <laughs> I get asked. I get asked by women all the time through social media, like, "What do I, what do I do with my, with my men, with, with this, you know, this guy, or you know, can you teach me more about, and you know, men in general, or my partner?" And and that was the the inspiration for kind of putting this course on. And I outsource um, to a lot of women in the course who um, also do work with men. So it's a, it's a really uh, this beautiful culmination of all this knowledge about masculinity, sexuality, male bodies, male anatomy, like how men experience pleasure, the stories and the narratives that they have. Um, and some of those big stories and narratives that not only men have, but I find that women have about men is um, you know, firstly that guys are you know, always sexual, right? They always want to be sexual. Their, their libido mm-hmm. is really high. It's unwavering. They are mm-hmm. just down to have sex at the drop of a hat and they... Um, you know, they, they want no strings attached to attach sex. It's just physical. There's no emotional investment. Um, so there's, there's a kind of couple of, like that's a really big story, but there's a couple of myths wrapped up in that. And 
Um, and like the first is that men are, you know, have a high sex drive that is unwavering, right? That they, they always are down for sex. And we just, you know, if we kind of look at, I talk a lot about where these messages and myths come from and where they're reinforced. Mm. And if we look at any TV show or movie or mainstream media representation of men, that's very much the case that you know, a guy has this high sex drive and it's unwavering. He's always wanting sex. And it's almost like a joke or it's portrayed as a joke on that TV show or movie if he doesn't, right? He's kind of called uh, gay or he's called uh, mm. you know, a sissy or he's less of a man if he's not always down for sex. Um, and so mm. a lot of men perpetuate that in their own lives um, by thinking that they always need to be ready for sex because they're a guy and that's what guys are supposed to do. And a lot of women have this unacknowledged expectation that guys are just kind of always wanting to have sex, right? And that can lead mm-hmm. into some sticky situations, for example, where if a guy doesn't feel like he wants to have sex but feels pressured to actually be sexual, he might be crossing his own boundaries there. Or if he says no to a sexual advance by a woman, um, she might think, oh, what the fuck's wrong with him? He's, he's a guy. He, he should always want mm-hmm. sex. And so there can be some, some um, scenarios that come up that, especially in a relationship, a long-term relationship, where those things mm-hmm. tend to play out a little bit more, um, becomes mm-hmm. a bit detrimental to that relationship. So Yeah, um, I, can't relate to, I can't relate to this um, at all in my relationship. <laughs> She's joking. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. I actually don't know what you're talking about. Sugar selling at a higher libido in her relationship. Yeah. yeah. I've been with my partner too for uh, like six and a half years. And yeah, I mean, having you put words to it normalizes it. Kind of totally. like how you normalized flaccid penises for us in the VIP video. Mm. <laughs> Thank you yeah. for that. No, the no thing worries. That, the thing that really resonated with me is kind of the opposite is like, I do think that like my husband's libido is higher than mine. And it does seem to me that he always wants sex since I'm the one who doesn't always want to do it. Um, but it's not necessarily true. His libido is just higher than mine. It's not that he always wants it. Because when he feels like he always, always wants it, it makes me not want to do it more. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like a really interesting statistic that we can take from sex therapy, which is that you know, out of all the heterosexual couples that come to see a sex therapist, 50% of those couples are seeing that therapist because they've got a mismatch in libido, right? So it's a very, mm. very common thing for you know, couples therapy to, to address. But of mm. those 50% of people that come and see a therapist because of their mismatch in libido, half of them, so 50% of them, it's the guy has a higher sex drive and the other half of them, it's the woman who has the higher sex drive. So it's a pretty even split when it comes to wow. that being a, a concern in, in couples' relationships. And that I... I I kind of start with that statistic because it's it's kind of speaks to this overarching idea that we're a lot more similar when it comes to desire specifically than we kind of give ourselves credit for. Um, mm-hmm. and, and men's sex drive does actually wax and wane. You know, it, a lot of people kind of link it to testosterone and this idea that testosterone is kind of responsible, solely responsible for men's libido. Uh, it, although it's important and a, com- uh, a component of a men's sex drive. It's not the sole ingredient. It doesn't you know, account 100% for their desire. So, And we also know that, that testosterone actually fluctuates across um, a day-to-day basis. You know, It's higher in the morning and it's lower in the afternoon. It's also uh, fluctuates on a seasonal basis as well. It's higher in winter, it's lower in summer, and it also fluctuates uh, on a 20 and 30-day cycle as well. So it has this hormonal cycle that um, is happening in a male really? body. 
Yeah. Totally. For men too. I mean, I know I definitely. I mean, a- I know I do. <laughs> I've never heard as, that about men though. Not as pronounced um, as the mm. hormonal fluctuations in um, a person who has a female body or was produces female hormones, but um, there is secular tendencies in the male body as well. Um, there's a guy called Jed Diamond who wrote about irritable male syndrome um, or IMS. And, and he talks about this idea that you know, when testosterone fluctuates down low, you can kind of become men become a little bit agitated. They become a little bit kind of flat. They, um, you know, it's linked to mental health stuff as well. So they kind of get a little bit down in the dumps um, when the testosterone is a little bit lower, which happens during certain times of the year and certain times of the month as well. So um, recognizing and acknowledging this kind of cyclical nature in all people is really important because it then starts to translate into, oh, it's, it, you know, it, that means then they're not always going to be ready to have sex. So that means that they're not always going to have this high you know, unwavering sex drive and that there is fluctuations to it and that's totally normal and it's totally okay. Wow. That's, that's, that makes so much sense. And I, and I think like for men too, like having that pressure probably is a turnoff for them and they don't even, I'm sure a lot of men don't even know where their own boundaries are because of this like pressure. That's crazy. 100%. And, And that leads into like, um, well, if guys are always ready to have sex, then they should always just be able to get an erection at the flick of a switch, right? At the drop of a hat, mm-hmm. at the change of wind, right? Guys should just be able to get an erection because they're just always down to have sex. Um, but because a lot of guys aren't always down to have sex, right? There's some times where they may be feeling tired or overwhelmed or overworked or just stressed or something else is going on in their life that affects their libido, Um there might be times where they have a difficulty getting an erection, for example, or they don't really feel very aroused. And so because of that, they don't feel that desire. And so they don't manifest that erection in their body. And then they think something's wrong with them. And their partner might also think something's wrong with them because there's the expectation that they should be able to get an erection real quick because they're always just ready to be sexual. So um, Mm. it can lead to like these really harsh judgments about uh, a man's body and, and, um, his, his libido and his desire. Yeah. I've had that experience with, with, um, my current partner. He, I think where he was feeling that pressure and I said, look, I'm not instantly turned on. Like, it's okay for me to take time to turn you on and to kiss you and, you know, lick your thighs or do what it would do, you know, do whatever to like slowly lead you into it. And he was, it was like this concept that he'd never thought of. He was like, Oh, I could actually take the time to be turned on. So Mm. I can, that's, I think that that's really important. Like if women are, you know, with the, you know, the women's movement, like we're demand for space to be turned on and to be heard. And I think it's important for men to have that space too. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and guys need to recognize that in their own body as well. Like I talk to men a lot about the way that they masturbate and I very, very typically get the answer that they just go straight for, you know, they kind of look like, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, you know, on a David Attenborough show, a chimpanzee masturbating. But like a, a lot of guys, when they talk to me about masturbating, I'm like, you're just giving me this mental image of a chimpanzee just furiously jerking off. And they just go straight for their genitals. They go straight for that. They go straight for like really intense stimulation straight away. And if they, if that doesn't do it for them, if it doesn't turn them on, then they think like, fuck, something's wrong with me. Like this is the way I'm supposed to masturbate. A lot of guys are very dogmatic when it comes to the way that they're supposed to experience pleasure. It's similar for women. Mm. Women have a lot of really strong stories about how men are supposed to experience pleasure, which is that it's you know just around their cocks, very phallocentric. It's like only on the shaft as well. It's not the testicles, it's not the balls. It's it's um, you know very penetration oriented as well. There's like a lot of these really strong stories about how men are expected to experience pleasure, um, and and guys will reinforce that as well. They'll 
they'll, you know, there's no guys in locker rooms talking about how good it felt for their partner to touch <laughs> their chest and to run their Aww. hands up their thighs and stuff. Guys are just talking about like their cocks and, you know, mm-hmm. being penetrative and, you know, uh, the, how big they're, they're, how big they they busted the nuts, you know. There's all this like really fellow <laughs> talking true. about. Yeah, it's, it's uh, true. It, it's because, because guys will, you know, uh, I, I say to I say to men in my men's groups, you know, what happens if you start talking about how much actual full body pleasure you experience and start talking about these other types of sensations? Most guys go to me and we will get ostracized. People like mm. get bullied. You know, people would tease us or make fun of us. Now, you know, or in the extreme, they you know mm. probably probably you know um, bash us up and. There's this um, rigid kind of construction about masculinity that uh, men have to kind of follow. There's like this unspoken set of rules that a lot of guys have to follow in order for them not to have their masculinity mm. revoked by the other group of men that they're hanging mm. out with. Um, yeah. What Paul Kivel kind of called the man box culture mm. back in the 1980s. Uh, but mm. uh, but guys, are, guys are finding themselves stuck in that. It's one of the reasons mm. why we have a lot of issues talking about pleasure because pleasure is you know, a, a feeling right and, and guys have trouble expressing their feelings in general and it's not really encouraged and so when we start talking about anything deeper than just kind of penetration or just you know talking about your cock then it becomes this um, really vulnerable and difficult thing for men to talk about which they're already struggling to talk about anyway mm-hmm. um, let alone layering on sexuality layering on all these other insecurities that they might have so the what can so erections don't work like a shake weight is basically <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're not. And you can't just turn them on and off. You can't just flick a switch and then, oh, yeah. okay, there's an erection and then flick another switch and there's no erection. It doesn't. Yeah, they, they actually wax and wane. And something I talk about is um, throughout a sexual experience, especially if like, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people in like the sacred sexuality tantra space or maybe having longer sexual experiences. They're practicing, you know, how to have these longer encounters and, and, you know, uh, women in these spaces are saying after about 35, 40 minutes, my partner's going soft. And I'm like, yeah, that's normal. You're not supposed yeah. to have an erection for 40 <laughs> minutes at a time. You know, on, on bottles of Viagra, it says if you're you know, exceeding a couple of uh-huh. hours, then you need to go see a doctor. So you know, this idea that you know, yeah. erections wax and wane because you're holding mm. blood flow. It's like holding your arm out for 45 minutes, right? And, and holding that position yeah. for a long time. Like that, there's fatigue that sets in and there's blood flow that has to tr- circulate out. And so this mm. normalizing of waxing and waning of firmness mm. of an erection is really important, especially mm-hmm. in those longer sexual experiences. Um, and so that's where mm. uh, things like, okay, well, let's broaden our definition of what being sexual together is. Like there's this, yeah. like I said before, conflation of erection and sexual encounter. It's like if your guy doesn't have an erection, we can't be sexual, right? And so that's very, again, male-oriented, very dependent upon the penis. But if you experiment with, you know, just not including his penis at all, how else can we be sexual together? What other pleasures and, and mm-hmm. sensations can we experience? That starts to really broaden your um, broaden your range of things that you can do together to have your sexual needs met. Um, and that's really important when you, especially, you know, those longer times of sexual encounters where maybe some firmness does get lost. Mm. That's fantastic. Lindsay Sugar and myself have experienced 
true transformation in our lives by doing Clit Talk podcast. And we've been thinking a lot about how can we take our 150 plus episodes and take the best things and put it into a digital course to deliver to you so you can get your results fast. We are so excited and we feel like we have created something that is going to provide value to you. We are launching a sample of our sex and empowerment digital course at the end of May. What we're promising is that at the end of five days, you'll have a whole new skill set to make more time for yourself, your pleasure. You're going to learn how to identify and communicate your desires effectively. Let me tell you, it would be awesome. The free five-day digital course will take place from May 24th to May 28th, and Clit Talk will be hosting foundation calls each day on Zoom. These calls will typically be about 30 minutes in length, so head on over to our Instagram and click the link in our bio for reals. Do this for yourself. It will only enhance your fabulous life. Hey, Clitorati, we wanted to take a quick minute to share about our Patreon. You know, we absolutely love being able to create weekly episodes and continue to normalize our message of pleasure on earth. Our Patreon is a monthly subscription crowdfunding platform that allows us here at Clit Talk to have the flexibility to expand our message without having to worry about how it's going to financially impact us personally. We are committed to expanding and creating new and exciting things like live events and a safe VIP community so you can share and be heard in real time. So if Clit Talk makes a difference for you and you'd like to connect with us on a whole new behind the scenes level, please consider supporting our Patreon. Your support makes a huge difference for us so we can make a difference for you. So for us, as for those of us in, you know, heterosexual relationships, women in relationships with men, and then I don't know, do you ever, do you ever deal with like male on male relationships as well? Or do you mostly deal with like heterosexual women and men? Yeah, I typically um, work with, yeah, cishet relationships, just purely because that's my, um, that's my lived experience. And I, I, my lived experience really informs my, my coaching. So if there's, if there is, um, like gay men that want to work with me, I usually refer them out to someone who is who specializes Got in it. gay relationships. Yeah, totally. So, okay. So then speaking from that paradigm, you know, what can we as women do to start to create that safe space for our male partners? Do you have any tips for women listening now? Like, oh, like this conversation, this conversation's resonating for me. And I'm like, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. So there, there's a couple of things that um, women can do to help create that space for men to drop into their vulnerability. And the kind of first piece of advice I have is um, like, don't just spring the conversation on them. Don't just be like, okay, cool. I listened to this podcast and hey, <laughs> we need to have a talk, right? The dreaded <laughs> talk. Um, that's, that's probably yeah. what we were all planning on doing. I was like, <laughs> I know, I'm like, I was just like going to pass along this. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so one of the ways you can um, introduce uh, in a really uh, helpful way that doesn't scare him off, right? Like something that we don't like to acknowledge as men is that we're pretty fragile. We're, we're scared of, of things, especially sexuality. We, we, there's a lot mm. of insecurities. Men have a lot mm. of anxiety around sex. Um, so when it comes to talking about it, it can be pretty fucking frightening. Um, mm. So one of the ways is to like preempt that conversation, say, hey, I just listened to this podcast about you know, masculinity and sexuality. Would you be open to talking about this? Um, you know, would you be open to sitting down one night? Or I don't want to say sit down because I, that, will, that will eat into my next point. But you know, just preempting the conversation, saying, "Hey, I want to have this conversation with you. How do you feel about it?" And if he's like, mm-hmm. oh, "Yeah, I guess we could do that. Yeah, yeah, all right. I'm not super keen on it, but you know." Um, but if you're framing it positively, like, "Hey, I'm really interested in kind of learning more about you. I really value this kind of relationship. But this is something I think could really be beneficial for us." 
keeping things positively framed rather than being like, we're having a shit sex life. I mean, you might be, but you know, <laughs> rather than saying like, hey, you're fucking up, you know, I'm blaming you for this and we need to talk and this is the reason why, um, which can kind of be taken quite neg- negatively. Um, framing yeah. it, framing it like, hey, I really value <laughs> Maybe our, a little. <laughs> yeah, I value our relationship and I want to actually, you know, improve it. And I think this could be a really beneficial conversation for yeah. us to have. It's like the first, mm. kind of like pre-framing the whole thing. Um, Question for you, yeah. Cam. Sure. Is the conversation actually required? Is the, con- uh, the cooperation or the conversation? Sorry. No, the conversation. Because I was just thinking, is it possible to take this on for yourself demonstrate and actually just be that without having to say, hey, can we talk about this thing related to our sex life? Is that possible? Yeah, I I think there is a fine line that you have to tread because something that I see women doing particularly in these types of dynamics is, you know, like she's maybe done some work on her sexuality. She's listened to some podcasts. She's done some personal development. And then she kind of slips into the role of becoming her partner's coach right? And Mm -hmm. so um, if there's no naming of that or owning of like, hey, I've done this kind of work and I'm I'm interested in going Mm -hmm. down this path, you know, are you open to kind of exploring this with me? The the role of kind of coach and client can become a thing Mm -hmm. in that dynamic. And that's really not Mm -hmm. conducive for sexual chemistry or sexual attraction, right? Right. you, oh, that'd, be a turn, yeah. that'd be a total turn off. Like yeah, if my partner off. was doing that to me and like, I'm a sex god, I'd be like, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> I'd be like, I'd rather, I want to go to hell. Thank you. So that's, oh, why, wow. that's why I lean on like the conversation <laughs> aspect. I think it's important to, um, to kind of name that. Well, be like, hey, here's what I've learned. And, and would you be open to kind of doing this with me? Would you be open to rather than um, letting things go unsaid and and saying, hey, let's do this now, or hey, why don't we try this and just kind of showing up, um, which could be beneficial in some regards. But um, yeah, I definitely think a conversation is important. Um, mm. and, okay, and guys, so just to kind of backtrack, you were you were saying the first is to pre-frame the conversation, then you were going to say the next, I think, phase of yeah, which is um, for a lot of men, and I've just this is just by observation, so it's a sweeping generalization here, but I found that it's easier for men to open up and talk about things if they're doing if they're doing something if they're actually physically kind of moving their body so rather than that whole let's sit down you know face to face have like a serious conversation it's like let's take that serious conversation and have it whilst we're walking uh along the beach or while we're walking through the woods or while we're going on a bit of a hike or while we're while we're driving somewhere for example so um so that's like my this is so true. Every time I sit down and like at a table and try to talk to my partner, it's like goes shitty. But if we're like on a walk or a hike, we are so much more fucking productive. Um, maybe that is a generalization, but that is spot on for me. Holy shit. I was just like imagining playing catch with my partner. Like we're just in the backyard, like throwing a softball. Like it's so babe. Hey, uh. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's a cliche, but it's. It's from what I found, it's. It's tends to be observably true, and so um, uh, that's my that's my piece of advice. It's like, hey, let's go do something okay. together. What does he enjoy doing? Let's go and do that. Mm-hmm. Like, kick a kick a soccer ball around is something that I find really mm. meditative. Um, and yeah. so if my partner's there, and we just kind of cruise around, and I've got a soccer ball to kind of you know kick around, then I'm happy to just kind of talk, and you know, it it kind of takes guys out of their analytic brain, yeah. so to speak, and they they're mm. able to just kind of like be they're they're actually be in their body. 
right? When you're moving your body, you become a bit more attuned to what's actually going on for you. And so you can, yeah. you can become a bit more aware of those you sensations. You are fucking onto something, Cam Frazier. <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, another way of creating that, that safety is to, um, like, so if you're asking a question, right? So if you ask him to share about something that's going on for him, something that's harder, it's easier said than done, right? Uh, is to not have a pre-loaded uh, answer to that question in the back of your mind, right? So um, if you if you ask him a question and he says something that like wasn't what you wanted him to say, not yeah. shutting him down for that, not being like, oh, that's not what I wanted you to say. That's not the answer I was expecting, whether you overtly say that or not, whether it just kind of triggers this response of being like, oh, that's not what I expected him to say, or that's not what I wanted him to say in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, that's easier said than done because we always, we have things that we want to hear, right? We have things that we want him to share or we want our partner to share. Um, and so if they share something that's different or maybe that's a bit triggering for us, rather than rather than saying, you know, shutting me down in that moment, which can then be really detrimental for the next time you actually want him to open up and share, um, mm-hmm. kind of suspending that that judgment about what it is that he's just shared and, and kind of going, oh, okay, that was a little bit surprising to me. Let's kind of explore that a little bit more. Let's talk about that a bit more. Um, mm. So just kind of suspending your your pre-loaded uh, question or answer mm. to that question, I suppose, is is um, something that I find is really useful. Mm. Um, I have no then, expectation. Like, yeah. yeah, no expectations. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then it's space as well. So giving guys time and space to answer yeah. Questions. This is something that we do really badly in Australia, particularly, is we like to <laughs> interrupt and, and over talk people. And like, if something's really resonating deeply, we're like, oh, yeah, like, oh, let me tell you this time that what you're doing happened to me. And like, we want to story top and we want to like really um, interact with, with people. And, it's not just um, Australia. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, being, um, being uh, like, I kind of call this a 30 second rule, right? So, like, if He's finished sharing. Give him 30 seconds, right? Count in your head 30 seconds to see if there's anything else that wants to come through, anything else that he wants to share. Mm. Um, Alison Armstrong has a really good analogy for this, which is like um, like when men are sharing, they're they're sending a bucket down a well, right? And, And they're pulling this bucket up and then they're tipping that bucket out and that's the first kind of share. Right? So give him time to send that second bucket down. Give him time to kind of go a little bit deeper and go a little bit further down and, and see what, what comes up that kind of um, that next share or that next time he pulls that bucket up. And typically oh. it's something that's a little bit different or a little bit more um, than what he said that first time. So uh, offering wow. a little bit of that space and a little bit of that time is really um, beneficial, I find. I think this is uh, going to make a profound difference in my relationship. Yeah. Not that I do that. Uh, again, I can't relate. <laughs> I think as soon as I get out of this interview, I'm signing up for your man myths course. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be that person who says, babe, you got to sign up for this course. <laughs> yeah, Don't yeah. do that. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's like, like, oh, there's a, um, like, because the, the the idea behind the course is like, I want to teach a lot of different strategies and techniques and specifically like, um, pleasure um, emphasizing techniques and and touch oriented things and one of the ways that I kind of preempt all of those strategies is um, rather than just diving straight into it with your partner and being like hey we're going to try this tonight which can again trigger some insecurities and some anxieties about men particularly if I've got those like really old school rigid paradigms about like 
no, this is what a man does in the bedroom. This is what a woman does in the bedroom. And we don't deviate from that. It can be really difficult mm. for, for him to then go, oh, you know, if you, you're wanting to do this, they can put up some walls around that. So um, one of the strategies that I suggest for introducing something new or something novel into the, uh, I say into the bedroom, but wherever you have sex, really, um, the, mm-hmm. the like premise can be like, hey, I'm, I'm doing this course or hey, I just listened to this on a podcast or hey, I just, uh, you know, uh, I just read this particular thing. This guy was talking about it. Uh, it sounds really cool, really fun. I'm really keen to try it. Would you be open to, to giving this a shot? Do you want to see if this, you know, is, is something that you want to do? Like, um, again- And then give of, him 30 seconds to think about it, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, if he says, and if he says no as well, right? If it's, if it's an answer that you yeah. didn't want to hear, just being like, oh, okay, cool. You know, no worries. Right. Let's, um, you know, and- and if there's something else that you also wanted to try, like, okay, that's all right. Would you like to try this instead? You know, and, and kind of having a little bit of a, an, an option as well to kind of back up. Yeah, um, like a negotiation. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. yeah. Also, yeah. If, if, if you don't, if like I ask my husband to do something and he says no, and I don't react, I just say, oh, okay. Well, that's fine. You know, and not say anything else and just kind of let it sit, then he might be like, oh, well, what did you want? What did you want to do? I, I, you know, like, I yeah. think kind of come around. Uh, yeah. A mm. funny thing happens when you when you don't resist someone's resistance. They're like, wait, but uh, maybe, I don't know about that. <laughs> Not as a manipulation, yeah. like earnestly. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Totally. <laughs> I feel... <laughs> I'm very keen to be like, wait, no, you don't want to do it. So you mean like you don't love, like you don't love me, basically. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's, that's, that's effective. about anything. Oh, yeah. It's very easy to go there because it, it does take something also to ask your partner to do something new when you're learning something new and there's just oh, kind yeah. of like something uncomfortable in your relationship that you're not sure what to do, but you heard something that you think might help. So just like going around to ask them. Yeah. And there's a fine line of like, um, of like asking why as well, you know, like one of the, one of the urges I feel like a lot of people have is someone says no to you. It's like, oh, oh, why not? Like what's, 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 Mm -hmm. what's wrong? Like, why don't you want to do this? And, um, and like, and oftentimes I, I kind of share like, what if the reverse was true and someone like a guy asked you to have sex with him and you said no. Right. And, and then he started going, Oh, why not? Why don't you want to do this? You know, what's, what's right. wrong with you that you don't want to do this? Like, like kind of imagine in your own body how that would kind of feel. And if you're then kind of doing that to your partner, mm-hmm. that's similar to what he might be feeling in that time. So there's this kind of fine line of like, yes, asking mm-hmm. kind of why in terms of, okay, that's, you know, that's, that's totally fine. Is there any resistance that you have to that? Is there a particular kind of reason why um, that might not be something that you're interested in? And, and if he's not mm-hmm. open to sharing, then, again respecting that but if he's like yeah i think it's because uh like if it's if it's butt stuff for example if it's anal play like a lot of guys have some really deep-seated resistance to that um because it's Mm -hmm. loaded in um internalized homophobia and some other stuff so it's like oh i I can see you had a pretty strong reaction to that suggestion did you want to unpack that and if (laughs) if it's a yes then great uh if it's a no then it's like okay yeah totally respect that i really want to i want to I want to do that in an Australian accent. Yeah, I'm going to have to listen to this episode a bunch of times to hear how you say it to then just bring it out in the bedroom and be like, do you want to unpack that? 
does sound much nicer with Sam's accent. I'm like, maybe if I did it in an Australian accent, it would seem softer. Yeah, totally. Uh, totally. Actually, I was making love with my husband a couple weeks ago. And I did an accent. And then you were telling him, Lindsay was telling my husband, she's like, maybe you like, you know, cerebral, you're cerebrally kinky. Maybe you need to do a little bit of role play. And he's like, no, I don't think so. And then we were like, don't worry, we'll plant the seed. And like, I don't know, two weeks ago, we were like having sex and all of a sudden I start talking in this Australian accent. It was going between like Australian and British because, you know, it's like, it just get bounces between the two. And I uh, know they're not the same. I get that. Just for like, you know, a white little Jewish girl, they're similar when they come out of my mouth. And um, he loved it. I told you. The accent. No, I told you. All right. Anyways, back you. to... Yeah. Well, no, I'm so glad you touched on the butt stuff because, yeah, because that we we just recently did a pegging episode with Lola Jean, who's fantastic. And um, there is a lot of... Because she was teaching us how healthy, actually, prostate ejaculation is for men. Um, and there's actually like a health conversation around it. My boyfriend is just a... No, no. So I'm respecting his prostate bubble. I'll keep gently nudging. Yeah, same with my partner too. Yeah. I'm like, am I just bad at it? Or is there some shame that needs to be released? And um, mine tried it and he liked it, but I'm not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> you just did. Another <laughs> <laughs> layer. That. No details. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Okay. Well, Cam, thank you so much. This was, I honestly learned so much um, I know we were strictly talking in the realm of pleasure, but I feel like this was just good communication advice for men and women. And I definitely want to listen to this episode again and really apply some of these things to my life. Um, you're so knowledgeable and I can tell that you're very thorough in what you are teaching. And um, it really does make you a different type of sex coach. And that was one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on today. Um, we think yeah. the work that you're doing is is tremendous. And I, I've learned so much from you today. It's mm-hmm. kind of crazy. Um, so, so what is the, so what is the best, tell us in your own words, briefly, just, you know, the, the man myths course, as well as the best way for people to get in touch with you, the different ways that people can work with you for anyone who's listening. That's like, hell yeah, sign me up for Cran Frazier. <laughs> I've got, um, I've got the easiest way, which is through social media. And I'm at the Cam Fraser across all social media platforms. Uh, you can easy. also <laughs> find my, um, my website, which is cam-fraser.com. And, um, like all my programs, like I've got, uh, outperformer porn star, which is my men's course. Uh, I've got Man Myths, which is my women's course. And um, I've got in the pipeline, this is uh, uh, still kind of very new, but I, I'm going to release hopefully by the end of this year, a sex coach uh, training. So if you're interested in becoming a, your own sex coach, then I've got that kind of in the pipeline. Amazing. Fantastic. Wow. Well, that's amazing. Thank you so much for being here um, with us. This this was highly informative and entertaining and you're great. So um, oh, we will you. have we'll have links to all of his courses and anytime you're ever releasing anything, let us know. We're we're fans. Oh you're you. amazing. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, Clitorati. With that, we're gonna see you next Tuesday. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Clit Talk. Be sure to visit clittalkshow.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at clittalkshow for your clit fix in between episodes.